Hello and welcome back to the video editing podcast from Unsplice. Um, I am very excited to give you this episode today because we're going to be talking to Justin Odisha. If you don't know who Justin Odisha is, he's one of the top creators on YouTube. He is, he's got a million subscribers and he specializes in, um, video editing, um, motion graphics and Photoshop tutorials. So today we kind of cover how he goes about the whole process, the steps of his process, but also how you can make a living as a YouTube creator. Is it viable? Um, and is it lucrative? And what are the different avenue um, streams of income that you should be pursuing in order to survive as a creator? So. Without further ado, let's start the podcast. Hello, Justin Adisha. Welcome to the video editing podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. Um, I've, I mean, like many people, I've seen your tutorials and I think you're very close to 1 million subscribers on YouTube now. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, um, nine hundred fifty or something at the time of, of recording this. So yeah, gotta get there. Can't get that close and not get there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You will. It's a matter of weeks for sure. What are you gonna do to celebrate when you hit that mark? Um, I don't know. It's 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 uh been I've been doing YouTube for so long that uh, it's it's sort of just happened now. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just go uh have some dinner with some family or something nothing crazy yeah nice um another day at the office so to speak yeah <laughs> um <laughs> it will be a nice milestone for sure so i don't know how i'll feel but i'm not really much the party type right yeah now. <laughs> yeah fair enough uh no it's an incredible feat and i'm pretty sure most people uh, listening if they've ever been on youtube to look for a tutorial they will have come across one of yours um, thank you for joining us. I kind of wanted to speak to you, um, about your career path really to get to the point where you are now. Um, so that if there are any listeners considering, um, YouTube as a viable career path, and because obviously there are so many ways to make a living as a video editor, um, I'd like to speak to you a bit more about what's involved the process, um, and uh, the prospects, you know, in terms of um, life as having a career as a YouTube YouTuber. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you're self-taught, is that right? Yeah, so I started editing uh, as a teenager. Um, I also learned on the internet, but just through like experimentation and then like blog style how-tos, like little written articles and uh, I would make edits for video games like video game montages and stuff uh, 16 years old something like that and I also learned Photoshop as well to make like little graphic designs and things for internet forums which aren't much of a thing anymore yeah right but uh yeah so I got proficient with like Photoshop and after effects and uh more so i started out in a, in like sony vegas back then 
But yeah, you learn the general video editing principles and they kind of carry with you through any um, similar editing program. So it just became a hobby that has turned into this kind of unique career. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how, what sort of resources were available to you in the early days and, and what were your favorite learning resources um, to pick it up? Uh, there was, I believe there was still YouTube at the time, but uh, I think I watched like a really basic like uh, guide to Sony Vegas or something like a long video. I don't remember what it was. It was probably on one of the forums. Um, and I don't know. I just sort of picked it up and there was also, I mean, there was guys like, uh, Andrew Kramer, the video, video co-pilot, which are very much, um, yeah, originals. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember if he was making tutorials or not, but he was making, you know, quality stuff and, um, just to see what was possible in these different programs and whatnot. And then there was forums, you know, just different users on forums, like would come up with a cool Photoshop technique uh, to make a text effect or something like that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I can't recall just like one specific resource, but I just sort of picked up bits and pieces and then mm. self-experimentation too. Yeah, that makes sense. So was there something that you wish you had at the time that would have made your life so much easier? <laughs> Probably a faster computer. <laughs> I, I, I remember sometimes leaving edits or render for days overnight. I think I yeah. remember one time we went on like a family vacation or a road trip or something, and I left the computer to render for like a week or something. Wow. <laughs> I don't know what I was rendering in After Effects. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it worked when I came back. Something happened. Oh, no, it failed. I don't remember, but <laughs> it was like that. Like you, you, you'd have to leave it overnight or something. Yeah. Any yeah. Progress. Yeah. Do you have any of those moments now? Well, now I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to have a nice, powerful computer and I don't really edit, uh, the longest I'll take to render something might be a couple hours. Yeah. So I could just, yeah. Yeah. What, um, what machines do you have? Uh, right now I'm working on an iMac pro and, uh, I also have a MacBook. Um, and yeah, that, that's what I'm working on. Yeah. Yeah. The new MacBooks is crazy powerful. So as you're working your way up as a YouTuber, well, kind of before that you're, you're playing around, you're playing around with Photoshop and video editing and all these, um, all these things and, and something sparks the joy in you. What, at what point did you decide that YouTube was going to be it? Well, as far as having a career in it, um, I mean, we talked about, I wish I had a better computer, but I also wish I had a, a better idea that this could be a viable career. You know, I always just considered it a hobby and just continued to go through school and college and some had some vague idea that I would have some professional career in something. Um, and I did graduate, but the point at which the point at which I started a YouTube channel was much, much earlier, just as a hobby. Like I just, uh, you know, I enjoyed making videos, but mm -hmm. you know, where are you going to share the videos? 
on YouTube and I enjoyed, course, yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed seeing if I could get views and like how that worked and um, just internet communities uh, were fun. And probably right around the time that I was getting ready to graduate and I had to figure something out, um, I had got a bit of traction on you or I, I had just sort of had the idea that perhaps this could be some sort of business and mm -hmm. decided I would give it a try to see if I can make something out of it uh, in that year around when I was graduating. Okay. Yeah. And was it a rocky start or was it, you know, when you graduated and you put that year towards it, um, was it kind of like a eureka? Well, I can actually make this work. Uh, it it was, uh, I'd say there was bumps and patches. Um, the nice thing is that even as a hobby, I had found some minor ability on YouTube. Uh, I think I still had, you know, I was just making Photoshop tutorials for fun. Uh, and some of them were doing okay. I think I had a couple tens of thousands of subscribers, maybe like 20,000 or something. Um, I thought it was cool. I had like a little comments I could check. Um, but I still never had the idea of it. But then uh, it was around the time I was paying for school and I was working part time. And, you know, I was sort of running out of a balance of money to pay for school. <laughs> and, and so I was juggling these three things. And uh, I started doing a lot of random freelance things. Um, I started like a Snapchat geo filter business. I started just doing interesting. Yeah, I started doing social media like um, content and design work for this local uh, company, and that was rocky. So I was just jumping from like random odd gig to gig, mm. and uh, eventually I got tired of doing those things because I I don't know you know client work is can be quite annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was something with the negotiation where after like a month of work, they tried to renegotiate uh, at a terms that they didn't like, you know, they originally mm. said one thing and then uh, tried to like negotiate lower after I did already a month of stuff expecting the other thing. And I just uh, I didn't want to play along. So I just said, well, no, I'll, I'll go forward with our original agreement or not. And that. Good didn't. approach. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's listening, you know, negotiation. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't really feel like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that. Uh, and then I just sort of said, you know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. I don't feel like running around dealing with all these people. Because the other thing when I was doing that was all like the uh, permissions that you had to ask. Like, I remember I was trying to help fix their website. You know, just little things like the buttons were wrong, like the the Instagram button linked to the LinkedIn and had the wrong logo and just this was spelled wrong, just little things. And they would want me to first go through their marketing person and then ask them if I could do it. And right. uh, I, was, yeah. I just wanted the freedom to be able to do it. And, mm. and I found that freedom in being able to work for myself and where no one can tell me, you know, how to make the thumbnail or mm -hmm. what to do or, or, you know, what color to use. And, uh, yeah, 
then I, yeah, I, I said, let me just focus on this hardcore and I'll go, I'll just do this in school. And, uh, then within like a year of uploading every day, I did manage to catch some traction. I think luckily because, uh, for some reason around 2017 ish video editing online also started to rise. I think even like Adobe's, um, mm -hmm. what's the word, the subscribers to the creative cloud. I think if you look at like a lot of different numbers, it seems like it all went up at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. But you just said that you made, you posted every day for a year. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. I posted. That's a, crazy. Prob yeah. Sometimes twice a day. Um, wow. yeah, that was just my main goal. I was going to school. I had quit my part-time job and I was just trying to focus every day, just to post every day and do <laughs> whatever other responsibilities. Yeah. So great. I would even, yeah, I would just be working on my channel in class most of the time. Honestly, I would, uh, <laughs> I remember editing videos on my laptop and the fan would start going off <laughs> and it would be loud. <laughs> Everybody looking over their shoulder. Yeah, I'd be in the back of the class and okay. just trying to get through. Yeah, that's nice. That's great. I mean, that's good spirit. That's good graft and kudos to you because it's all paid off. Um, I kind of wanted to touch on, you mentioned client work and and I'd love to, do you make, do you work on client work and then you have, um, you do, you're doing something for a, something for a client and you think, oh, that would be an awesome tutorial. I'll put that up. Or do you just create tutorials specifically, um, for, for, you know, each tutorial? Yeah. Well, I've gotten to the point now, mostly where like I can just focus on doing the education and um you know i've done a, a million odd jobs you can think of um but i just mostly now if i am working for a client the client will be like based on the education stuff that i do so whether that's working with adobe on something or working with um just working with like other like a lot of these music companies music licensing companies or stuff like that um mm, yeah yeah i i personally i personally as, as long as i can not do client work i try not to <laughs> which i feel i feel but, lucky yeah because of the whole client relationship and uh <laughs> that we spoke yeah. about earlier yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so so mostly i am focusing on just creating original materials specifically yeah. for the education side of it yeah. but i have pulled ideas from all over the place on previous projects or just other things on YouTube. Uh, mm. I, I have a running list of ideas that I keep on a notepad. Uh, and every time something strikes me, I write it down, whether I'm watching TV or I'm watching a music video or. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so every time you need to create something, you just pull from that list and create it. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, the hardest part about what I do probably is, uh, you know, idea generation and we're working on that. So it does help to keep the running list of notes, but I do spend a lot of time actively trying to come up with, um, good ideas. Yeah. Okay. So tell me a bit more about your process. Um, you're inspired, you've got an idea, uh, and what's every single step from there onwards to the point that you post it. Sure. So 
I don't write a script down for my tutorials. Um, I try to have a rough idea. Firstly, I'll, I'll gather materials. So any stock footage that might make for a good example. Sometimes I'll even just browse stock footage for hours. Um, I've, I use my own footage sometimes too, but you know, I make hundreds of videos. Sometimes I don't have hundreds of my own clips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tiring to go out and shoot clips every single time. So, yeah, um, yeah, sometimes I'll just browse stock footage to see if anything sparks my mind from footage. Uh, but I'll gather the materials. I'll run through it and see if the effect actually works. Uh, I'll try to make sure it's universal. So, you know, not just something that works for this specific clip, but it would never work for anyone else because that would just cause confusion and probably. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I run through it. And then once I have it down, I'll start recording my screen and my audio and everything. And I'll I'll go through it. Usually I can get through a recording pretty smoothly, but I might have a couple of hiccups and starts along the way. And I'll just edit those out and try to make the final product as concise and direct as possible, which people seem to appreciate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's definitely something that I, uh, I appreciate from watching your tutorials is just, it gets straight to the point and it's, yeah, there's no fluff, which is super useful when you're in the moment and you actually need a tutorial. <laughs> yeah, I've even, I, I cut out a lot of stuff like even little things like thinking about how to start it. I used to say like, you know, hi, my name is Justin Odisho, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes now I've been experimenting with just immediately, like not even in the first second, just like, here's how to do this. First do this, blah, blah, blah you know, and mm-hmm. then saying my name at the end. Like I just, I'm trying to think of every way that I can cut out everything unnecessary, but n- not to the point where you still don't learn something, you know? Yeah, of course. There was a point in YouTube where uh, everybody just wanted to reach a certain, you know, minute duration for the videos because of monetization. And the more ads you could post, the more money you could make. But now the algorithm's caught up and it just rewards valuable content and puts that in front of more people. So it works in your favor. Yeah, I've had a lot of, I just record and whatever it ends up being, it ends up being. I have a lot of people like sometimes the video will, will be like 10 minutes in one second. People think like if it's like nine minutes and 55 seconds, maybe I'll just put like a five second intro because of some superstition that the algorithm <laughs> wants a 10 minute video. But for the most part, I that's not at all in my process. Uh, I, have, I have two minute videos and I have 30 minute videos mm-hmm. and I just try to make it as long as it ends up being. And I, uh, I think the most important thing YouTube cares about is like overall watch time and retention and clickability, like how many people clicked on it and watched it and continued watching. Yeah. And it's, it's hard sometimes with t- tutorial content because I don't know how people consume it. Maybe they skip around or maybe if it's not what they're looking for right away, they look for something else or mm-hmm. some people might rewatch it over and over because t- they're following along. So it's working yeah. all right, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And so in that process, are there any systems that you've automated to make the whole process quicker or is it very much manual? I think I'm one of the, I think a lot of YouTubers like have a team and someone to do their thumbnails and someone, I don't know why, but I like to do everything myself. It's probably a flaw, <laughs> uh, but 
I still have my systems. Like, you know, I have a thumbnail Photoshop document on my desktop with like a few of the logos and materials and stuff already there. But uh, I've gotten it down and I have my microphone all set up so that, you know, I don't have to set it up every time. And I'd like to even get to the point where I have a, my camera set up with a whatever backdrop and lighting. So all I have to do is push the record button. And I think that's the sort of systems where you can really focus on being productive because honestly, a lot of the hardest work is it, like, even for doing this podcast, I'm sure, you know, is like, okay, let me put on a clean shirt. Let me put the camera, <laughs> let me make sure the lighting's good. Yeah. Of course. You know, the, there's noise outside. To, yeah. I had to shave yeah. my head this morning. Shave, yeah, looking shave fresh. My neck. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the some of the hardest parts, you know, shower, <laughs> shave, clean up. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and the yeah. recording is the easy part, you know, yeah. the, an hour, yeah. whatever you're doing. That's it. Actually, for me, even as an editor, the the the, uh, the hardest part that I struggle with um, is the editing. Uh, but it's not like I struggle with the editing. It's like I've, I've spent so much time preparing and then recording the episode um and then recording like you say is kind of the easy part and then afterwards i feel like i'm so exhausted from that whole process i don't have the energy to edit the podcast anymore yeah <laughs> yeah i actually do my own podcasts on and off but i i've done i know what you mean because podcasts are difficult because it's an hour long plus conversation and you have to listen to the whole thing again to edit it so I, I listen to the whole thing again, just to make sure there's not, nothing to, usually there's something to cut out or some stop, which we've, we had. And then, yeah, uh, yeah. like, it's just like one hour recording plus at least one hour listening back to it yeah. and editing it. And, uh, there it's just longer content and takes, yeah. it's not harder to edit. It's just no, no more to all. edit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to touch a bit more on uh, being a YouTuber as a career, what that really means. Um, I'm a big advocate for uh, being open about, uh, in the industry, about talking about money, because if we're not open about talking about money, it only really benefits the the clients and the businesses. Um, there was a point probably, um, I think it was probably about six or seven years ago, where I was working with uh, someone who I hadn't worked with for a while since the beginning of my career. So we hadn't spoken for several years and we were, uh, we met at the same company. We were charging the same rate then. We went off, we did our own things. I would always speak with someone else throughout the whole period and just say, what's your day rate? How much are you charging now? Um, and so we would always bump each other up and be like, yeah, you could definitely charge another 25 pounds now, put it up, it's fine. And yet this other person would never speak about putting the rates up. And we eventually met up after uh, many years and I asked them, how much are you charging per day? Because uh, my day rate is 450 pounds. And they told me that they were charging 330 pounds. And with similar skill levels, similar clients, but um, it's like 600 pounds a week left on the table 
um, because they didn't want to talk about money. So I really try to encourage people to be open about it. So um, what I want to do is prevent everybody or all the other video editors from undercharging because all that does then is brings down the value of all video editors everywhere. Yeah, I think that's a really important conversation. Well, I just wanted to touch on essentially revenue um, as a YouTuber and what sort of revenue, obviously monetization is the, is the, the goal, but there's a, a long curve, right? Until you can reach the point where you can actually live off that income. So I wanted to ask you uh, how long it took you to reach the point where you could live off of your income from YouTube. Sure, yeah. And I actually touch on this subject on several different videos on my channel, like how to monetize and different monetization um, strategies. And uh, well, for one, I think what you mentioned is is a good question. People always ask me like, you know, how much should I charge for a video? Um, Which since I don't do much client work personally, I'm not charging by the hour or whatever, but, but I try to help people in the DMs all the time. Like you said, like, uh, you know, you could at least be charging this or like uh, a lot of people severely underprice themselves, I feel like, or like race to the bottom of the pricing rather than seek different clients. Uh, yeah, especially, yeah, yeah, I, I've helped a lot of people and I always say like, why don't you just try charging more? Or just see what, you know, especially like music video editors. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's a whole separate video I could make. Um, but uh, uh as, as far as let's do that at some point <laughs> yeah yeah um and it's it's interesting to hear you say you know in, in your professional work and your career that uh i think it's it's a mistake that people do charging you know by the hour or something uh, something hmm. like per day or something more standard like per project or overall package probably makes more sense because uh per hour like you know what if i just take really long on the project on purpose or yeah. what if I edit it faster and deliver you something better and faster and I'm going to get paid less for exactly. doing it faster. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, I feel the same way. And also clients perceive if you, if you tell a client it takes five hours, um, it sounds less time than if you said it's going to take a day yeah. to do that. Yeah. And so they'll come back with small changes constantly. Yeah. And revisions, you know, I think per, per project, once you get a better idea of how long it takes you to work and how many revisions there are to expect and how much you want to make per day and how what you value yourself at and your equipment and your time, charging like a general per project or per day sort of rate is a lot better, like you said. And you do have to, you know, work up to based on your skill level or what you're delivering, of course. And there's a big conversation too around like working for free and whatnot and I don't know. There's a lot of different opinions out there, but, um, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you and I are on a very similar page regarding that. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're just, just starting out, you know, there's not an insane amount of harm in like trying to network and, you know, perhaps build relationships through bartering and stuff like that, but working professionally. But anyways, about the YouTube side of things, um, I started my channel in, like 2011, um, ex- experimented with selling digital products actually in the first couple of years. 
on different like website third-party websites that would just price your product for you i was selling like photoshop uh add-ons and stuff uh, pretty young actually which i'm pretty proud of myself that i stumbled upon i i naturally was implementing like uh affiliate and like sort of blog marketing and selling products somehow um mm-hmm. but they would price the products themselves at maybe like five dollars and they would take a 50 percent commission and that just you know you need to sell a lot of things for two dollars times a thousand dollars you know to add up and it's hard to sell tens of thousands of units yeah um but so any money that i ever made from youtube for the first uh five six seven years was yeah i remember when i first made a hundred dollars on youtube uh first of all when you first started you weren't eligible for monetization or when i started youtube monetization was reserved for like the top stars like the big youtubers it was a Mm -hmm. private program sort of a partner program and then right around the time i started they they opened up the program so that anyone would be eligible uh, for revenue share that was exciting and then i remember when i made my first like my first dollar to a hundred dollars some months it would be like you made 20 cents whatever <laughs> and uh i mean i wasn't i wasn't doing it for money but I, yeah. when i did when i did make a hundred dollars it was like okay i probably worked like many months for this but it feels free it feels like free money because uh, i was doing this for fun and and you yeah, and like right. and the thing that made it feel weird free was that like it wasn't directly correlated to punching in and out of a certain hour time, which I was used to in my regular jobs. So it was de- it was detached from any sort of time to money equivalent. And so it did feel sort of free because the potential was there to scale it. Um, and then around the time when I was uploading every day, um, I'd say when I first became sustainable was actually when I launched my first couple products. So that should point out to people that uh, even at a high level, getting like a million views a month or whatever may not be like the most sustainable. So any YouTuber or person who's thinking about it, um, you really have to think about, you know, what sort of products and services you can offer to your viewers directly to make up for the other half of, of the revenue. Also, what sort of like affiliate commissions and partnerships that you can work with on brands to make up more revenue. So you really have to treat it like a business. Um, so the only reason I'm able to make a uh, make it work and it works pretty well for me um, is that I have uh, several products that i've developed that i'm proud of that i sell on my website shop i have my own website and my own website shop which i had to make and i sell products directly so it's like a business and uh i made sure i signed up for like all the relevant affiliate programs that make sense for my audience like adobe affiliates and stuff like that some people do amazon um i work with i've i've worked with brands directly because I've been able to build up my audience and then the YouTube monetization is uh you know its own it's a it's a part of that but 
if I only was doing the YouTube monetization alone without any of that other stuff, it would be, you know, a lot easier to just probably have like a regular career, uh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. Because you have to so, be making a, not, not, not to go on too long, but you have to be making millions and millions of views, which is not easy at all a month to be able to sustain just off of YouTube revenue. And then what happens if those millions of monthly views no longer, like you stop making content or whatever. So you yeah. have to have something more. And that's the only reason. I mean, many people might never get to a million views a month or a million subscribers, but there's channels that can just be like 10, 20,000 subscribers or small podcasts or something that are able to work directly with a very relevant brand or sponsor or directly sell their course or product mm -hmm. and earn a decent living without a massive audience because yeah. they're selling a good that's worth it. Yeah, right. Uh, it's, so it's utilizing the audience um, purely as an, as an audience uh, and not seeing monetization as the holy grail. Uh, so how many views are you getting a month? Uh, my baseline is around like a million a month and that's what I try to keep it at mm. to feel healthy about the channel. Uh, I recently had to take many months off um, doing a move, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's gone from as high as two point something million. Um, nice. And but I, I like or I feel good about it being at a million a month. If it starts going under a certain amount of views a day or a month, uh, I start to feel like I need to start making more content because the other thing is my channel is very much a catalog and education evergreen content based thing. Yeah. I have like a thousand videos. So it's really a, a, a product of scale, like a thousand videos and each one of them gets, you know, even a modest amount of views a day. Uh, yeah. It can add up quickly. Of course. Um, but mostly so it's the, the small, like, there's like 20% of the videos, what is it, Pareto's Law or whatever. There's probably oh, yeah. actually just like 10% of the videos make up for 90% of the views, which is... Yeah, that's probably, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so what does that actually mean to you in terms of uh, income purely from monetization only? Um, I have a video on my channel that breaks down like how much view, how much YouTube paid me for a million views. But rates change completely, um, like depending on the f category you're in, because video editing is somewhat software related, it gets a decent CPM. I think it's it's called cost per thousand views or something. Mm. Um, there's high. I think uh, if you if you if you're in the finance or stock or whatever sort of category, you probably earn even more, which is it's sort of strange. If you talk about money, you make more money. Yeah, yeah um, right. Okay. <laughs> and then pro probably if you're in like different geographic areas or different categories, there might even be less. So it's hard for me to s give an absolute. I And it also depends on watch time. You know, I've had videos with lesser views make more and, and videos with more views make less. But uh, um, yeah, I, I couldn't give an exact number off the spot, but uh there's there's definitely information out there to get an idea if you look up these things like you know cpms and rpms and um 
and many YouTubers, I would go and look at the YouTubers sharing like how much they earn per million views and start mm. to see a range because I've seen some, some of them are ridiculous. Like I wish, like some of them, I just don't understand how, how they get so much from it, from, because they're in certain categories. Right, because, yeah, because of the categories. Yeah. So, because, um, you know, as a sort of binary figure, a million views is a million views, right? For, you would think on paper, um, but actually the income from those can vary based on the the category, but also would it be, would there be any other things to consider, like the, the quality of the viewer or something? The, uh, it, the demographic matters, like, uh, well, it's all based on what advertisers are willing to spend. Right. So uh, who is advertising on the video? The reason finances get so much advertising spend is because, you know, you might have a, a a stock broker company advertising to get new clients and that's worth a lot of money to them to get clients to come on their platform and so they pay a lot of money to advertise to those audiences uh, so those creators benefit from that um, also watch time matters so uh, if someone's watching your video for 10 minutes they might see two or three ads also if they click on them uh, I think that that's paid more but right. uh, yeah, that makes sense. It's all based on the advertiser, how much they're bidding. And and it goes different based on months. Like, you know, during busy months and towards holiday months, advertisers are spending more. And then perhaps at drier times of the year um, where advertisers aren't spending as much on advertising. Um, yeah. But hopefully, the I, I just hope that the... well. The ideal would be that uh, more advertiser spend will leave traditional media like television and television. continue yeah. to compete on digital like podcasts and YouTube and yeah, I can see that happening. I I can I can absolutely yeah, I think see it, that happening. It definitely I've seen it occur because actually what's funny is a a million I was um the two million views I used to get. Um, like the million views now is worth more than a million views before for some reason. And I don't know if it's nice. just rates going up or perhaps yeah. as your channel gets larger, people, advertisers are willing to bid more on it or something. But, yeah, I think that might be the case. Yeah. Um, I know through, um, because I've spent years working in advertising and um, been inside some of the biggest agencies in London and, um, you know, got this really intimate view on how things, um, how the money is spent and how it's changed changed as well over the years. And um, so much more, it, it used to be, everything used to be funneled towards TV. And of course, um, and then online was just uh, the side things. And now it's the opposite. There's so much money put into targeted ads because they can get more money, essentially a better ROI on that ad spend. And that's creating more competition, which means more revenue going around for um, the people hosting those ads. Yeah. And I, another point I will just make is like, let's say you get a million views and YouTube pays you anywhere from, you know, a thousand to $5,000 or something. Um, I mean, that's a very big fluctuation. Um, but let's 
but uh, if you think about it, making a thousand dollars for a million views seems like you're leaving, like you said, a lot on the table. Because imagine if you had a shop and a million people came in the door. Let's say out of a million people came and you were able to get three of them to let you edit their video for, you know, $500 or something. That's easily, you know, just as much, if not more than than just what the the fraction of the penny that you made on each view, you know. Yeah, absolutely. You get what you know. Get what I'm trying to say. Like, uh, yeah, absolutely. You don't want to leave a million is a lot of people, and uh, there's a lot to be left on the table if all you're going to do is take a couple pennies because you let someone. Also, yeah. the other thing to think about: so a company is already willing to spend money to YouTube to put their ad in front of your video. What if you directly worked directly with a company and said? I will directly implement or feature your product and you yeah. could negotiate a much better rate than the fraction of the penny. And, um, you know, there's Absolutely. just, a, there's a lot yeah. of ways and to make a living as a creator. I've been full time for four or five years and I feel good about that. Um, Great. because this can be probably a very fleeting career. So I don't know where I'll be in five to 10 years, but hopefully I'll have yeah. something to show for it. Do you have a plan of five to 10 years? I hope to just uh, make, well, it's funny. The WWE wrestling channel on YouTube has uh, something like 60,000 videos on their channel. They upload like 20 times a day. <laughs> wow. I hope to build a library that is as massive as that, that. <laughs> and, and uh, that can just sustain itself without me. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it's really important to be financially aware and look after and be able to plan as uh, based on the fluctuating income. I wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't tell anybody that oh, anyone can do it. You know, uh, I would hope that anyone who wants to do it could make it work and I'd be happy for them. And I really think it's a not a zero sum game. I mean, not a society cannot function if everyone is just like an online creator, you know, <laughs> someone's got to do something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, like we don't need, we don't need a million video editing teachers. We need like, you know, a couple dozen or a couple hundred of the yeah. best that can offer their perspective. Like maybe you can offer a great perspective from like the professional client side or, you know, everyone has their perspective to share, but you know, yeah, I could teach video editing to as millions of people. Uh, but there's also, you know, there's millions of people who need video editing services or, you know, video editing work will always be abundant. Yeah. Um, Justin, thank you so much. It's been an honor to speak to you. It's been great. I'd love to do this again. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm glad that we were able to talk and I hope uh, something interesting came out of it. For If, if no one else, for I sure. had I had a good time. <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear. Um, uh, good luck with everything. I'll probably be speaking to you on Instagram because uh, that's where we hooked up in the first place on the unspiced on the meme page at video editing is hard and you're at justin adisha right yes yeah, so yeah if anyone wants to reach out to me i'm really easy to reach 
um, Justin O D I S H O and, uh, or email me what my website, Justin has all my links and stuff. And I'm really easy to reach. So if, if anything I said, it was interesting, feel free to continue that thread. And, uh, yeah, you have an interesting meme page as well. So <laughs> I, I didn't, I forgot about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I love some of your memes as well. Yes, uh, that's the respect. true work. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mutual meme respect. Yeah, meme artisans. <laughs> and that's the other, that's the one last point I'll make is like, keep your mind open on what can be a career because memes could be a career, you know, yeah, and it absolutely. is a career for many people. And when I was younger, I just never clicked in my mind like any of this editing or online stuff. I was just going to school and how did I not think, you know, how did I not yeah. like no one told me. So here we are telling you that memes can be a job. Yeah, for sure. And it's and it's real <laughs> as long as there aren't, you know, thousands, you know, there's only yeah. so many meme creators we need. <laughs> Society can function completely on meme creators. Yeah. It was really interesting to hear Justin's perspective on making a living as a creator. And he and I are going to hopefully do another podcast together and uh, we'll do an episode about negotiations and rates. And uh, he has a background in working with brands and I think that's super valuable. So hopefully uh, we can organize another time to speak about that in the future. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back soon. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye.